Do you happen to have a chance cube? I don't, but I do have some dice from Marvel Dice Throne. Coming soon, Marvel Dice Throne is a fast and fun board game for all ages. Each player selects one of eight heroes to face off in a head-to-head battle to see who earns the right to take the throne. Gameplay involves strategically rolling dice to activate special abilities, playing unique hero cards to manipulate results, and upgrading your hero board to power up your stats. The project is currently being crowdfunded on Kickstarter, so head there now to check out their Kickstarter exclusives and reserve your copy today. Hello there, I'm Colleen. I'm Anders. Daniel will hopefully be back with us next time. How dare his boss make him work? I know. What the heck? I really just. Unfathomable. Uh, it's absolutely. It really is. <laughs> hopefully next week, though, everyone, he will be back with us. So we're nerds who love science fiction and fantasy stories. So, of course, we love Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet will just never have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So we are journeying to a galaxy far, far away to discuss what is new in the Star Wars canon and beyond. This is yet another Star Wars podcast. Woo! This week, we're taking a look at the second episode of the newest Disney Plus Star Wars show, Visions. Anders, can you play bass? Uh, Will it save me from murderous clones under my control from an evil megalomaniac supervillain? Or maybe like execution by a gangster, then sure, awesome. let's slap the bass. All right, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> All right, so this episode is from Studi- Studio Colorido. Uh, it was written by Yasumi Adarashi and directed by uh, Taku Kimura. Music, which plays a very important role in the episode, was by Yashiaki Diwa. Uh, it has a runtime of 14 minutes, so it's pretty much the same length as the, as, uh, the duel. Mm-hmm. And then the characters Jay, Geezer, Lan, Boba Fett, and K344 were voiced in the original Japanese by Hiroyuki Yoshino, Kasuke Goto, Anri Katsu, Akio Kaneda, and Maseo Fujita. Good job. Uh, thank you. <laughs> You're doing pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Right before we record, I read through them and I'm like, shit. You can give the Japanese names to me. (laughs) Maybe. Uh, Then the English dub, those characters are voiced by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Bobby Moynihan, Mark Thompson, Tamora Morrison, and Shelby Young. Okay, so we're going to head into our plot synopsis. A young Jedi whose name is Jay is on the run during what we assume is Order 66. He falls through the top of a quote-unquote band ship and comes across the rock band Star Waver, led by the Hut. Yes, it's a Hut geezer. <laughs> hut and a rock band, I love it. Yeah. My brother actually is in a role-playing game and his Hut is a dancer of some sort, <laughs> an entertainer. So he felt really good about this episode. <laughs> really there was one, I think it- I think it was in I think it was in the the Galaxy of Fear, the Galaxy of Terror. Yeah. Some some books I read when I was younger. There was one hut, and it at one point he actually like lifts himself up, like onto the very tip of his tail. Whoa! And it's described as like super imposing and insane. He's fit. He's a fit hut. Very fit. Okay, so <laughs> Geezer asks who Jay is, and we cut to some time later. Jay is now the lead singer of the band and they're playing a small gig that is interrupted by Boba Fett and his team and they're all after Geezer. The band uses their instruments to fight or distract and make an escape, but Boba catches up with Slave One and he captures Key. Hmm. 
The band isn't sure what to do, but they will not abandon their friend. Guy is headed to be executed, executed by Jabba the Hutt. But the band is there and tells him that they've struck a deal with Jabba to play one song together before his time is up. Like, what do they like say they would give for collateral? Because why? Maybe the van. Yeah, right. <laughs> you can have our <laughs> ship. Like, oh yeah, you're never leaving Tatooine again. The group puts on a show for the ages being broadcast all over Tatooine. Afterwards, the crowd goes wild and Jay convinces Jabba that they will be the next big thing, which is probably fair. And the smart business move would be to become the band's first official big sponsor. And then they play another song. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just... It- this episode is just so ridiculous and amazing, mm-hmm. and I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking of getting into reactions, Wacky. it is almost it is jarring to watch this in comparison with the duel. They are just so different in tone, but that I think that's a great thing is that they they both still have this DNA that is so Star Wars. Mm-hmm. It's so good. This episode's just fun, and it's yes. just amazing to see creators put a different spin on characters we already know. I mean, that gig that they're playing in the beginning, I don't know about you, to me, it really felt like very high school prom, (laughs) the way the curtains were set up, and the characters all kind of look young, like Boba looks like like a teenager. (laughs) Yeah, they're kind of like a more chibi style, not completely, but they're like kind of squashed down or smaller than Mm -hmm. you would think they'd be. (laughs) Again, it kind of in comparison to the duel, the animation was a little bit more kind of quote unquote familiar to me. It looked more like other things that I've seen, so I kind of like that. And then the basic premise of having a band story living out of the van was just, there's no better word for it, fun. And I love being able to watch something and just have a good time with it, not really have to think too hard about it, and just have fun with it. Yeah. Uh, I loved that montage. Yes, I loved that montage of all the Tatooine residents watching the show and kind of getting into it. It seemed like a really classic TV movie sequence yes. <laughs> when the band starts playing yes. and everyone kind of like picks their heads up. Or it's like she saw that funk soul brother when they start their little dancing yeah. thing. <laughs> Everybody loves a musical montage like scene. When, uh, there's that scene on one of the more classic Simpsons episodes where Lisa plays like Bleeding Gums Murphy over the radio and the entire town's listening to it. Yes. <laughs> I love that. That's such a good episode. That's a great sequence. <laughs> yeah, it's a great episode. Oh, I, I agree with you. This this short film was fast and fun. A little bit of darkness because like we said, they're going to execute Geezer. They're going to kill him for not wanting to join the family business. Oh, I enjoyed the characters in the story, even though it is lower in my rankings of all of the Visions films, but they're all good. This isn't a bad short film. It's really fun and it's light. And it was the palate cleanser after <laughs> the duel. Very, like you said, jarring to watch this after the duel. I was like, oh shit, I guess we're going right into the musical number. This is great. I did like that they solved the problem by using their talents instead of violence which is yeah. very not Star Wars. <laughs> well, it just so happens that their talents in Star Wars are violence. Yes, that's also fair. <laughs> this time we're seeing, I mean, I suppose Jay is probably proficient with a lightsaber if he was a Padawan during the Clone Wars Order 66. But instead of trying to fix it, he turns it into a microphone and uses his other skills to save his friend. I really liked that. It was mm-hmm. a different feel for like the Jedi story. It was really great. I, that whiplash though, like... <laughs> I still think about it when I was doing my rewatch. I'm like, 
I went and watched the duel first and then I went right to Tatooine Rhapsody. It's like, whoa, this is the same feeling I had the first time I watched it. <laughs> but still good. Still a really good effort from the studio. I really liked it. All right, before we move on, we're just going to take a quick ad break to hear about some other podcasts from the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hey, I'm Shamar. And I'm Andrew. We're going to be doing a deep dive on all the connected DC animated movies in their cinematic universe. Yes, I'm here to discuss the interconnected storylines and point out how jacked everybody is. And I'm here to share a deep comic book knowledge like Batman having his own sneaker line. So check out yet another DC animated podcast. Part of the Forgotten Entertainment family and coming soon wherever you listen to your podcast. Okay, so next we're going to head into our section where we're looking at our questions and kind of looking into the deeper dive into the episode. I'm going to start us out with the anime studio Behind the Magic. This is Studio Colorido, which is actually a Portuguese word, Colorido. So it's kind of interesting to be a Japanese anime studio. They helmed this installment. They're fairly new. They were only formed in 2011. They're a subsidiary of Twin Engine, which is another anime studio, which is a little bit more well-known. Studio Colorado usually focuses on films instead of anime TV shows. And it's most well-known for the films A Whisker Away and Burn the Witch, which is a part of the Bleach universe, which is massive. <laughs> Bleach has a huge fan base. I really hope they get some new anime going from the exposure from Visions because their like viewpoint was really cool. And I really liked their animation style. So I'd hope that they get a little bit more recognition from this. Hmm, interesting. So next we have our Japanese cultural or anime influences. This episode kind of few and far between with like Asian cultural influences, except for the duty to family, even if it's your found family, which is a big Star Wars thing. Mm -hmm. Jay's loyalty to Gi is very reminiscent of this concept of familial loyalty, which has like really strong pulls in many Asian cultures, not just in Japan. In general, Asia values reverence for their elderly, unlike certain other nations of the world, which will remain nameless. There was actually a tradition of caring for your elderly family members as they had cared for their children. So you're kind of like paying it back, paying it forward. You take care of each other and your family. Yeah. Many Asian countries still practice these traditional values of caring for their parents, nursing them through old age and even being there for when they die, which is like, it's very sad, but also you're there for your family like the whole time. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Mm. And that reminded me a lot of just them being like, no, we have to go save. Gi. Well, I mean, if that really was, think if Gi really is stinky, then Java <laughs> was going to be there when he died. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Next, we have the band or musical anime, which is a big trope in anime. There's a ton of these kind of series that have varying themes and situations. Some of them can be really realistic. They're set in the modern age with everyday issues of band members like just trying to get along as they prepare for some sort of big event usually there's lots of fighting because of course the band and that's what they do absolutely uh, other musical anime though get kind of wild there's one called tact op destiny which is basically a quiet place but with music aliens invade and they hate music so, oh, so there's it's mars like attacks it is kind of like Mars Attacks, <laughs> yes. There's a ban on music, and of course these kids have to be like, but we want to make music. It's like, yeah, but the aliens will kill us, so please don't. Oh, no. Okay, so it's not that. It's Swing Kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Swing Kids also. There's, yeah, there's a lot of weird things happening in that. <laughs> but it's kind of a cool idea, if you think about it. Like, mm -hmm. oh, aliens invade, and they're like, everything on Earth is cool, except we hate music. Like, oh. I guess that's terrible because we all love music. 
Speaking of music, Anders, we need to talk about the song <laughs> in this short film. I liked it a lot more in the original Japanese. I think the lyrics in the English are a little trite, kind of like vague pop emo music. It would be a huge hit, of course. Absolutely. It could reach a lot of people, but I was just not, not feeling it very much. How about you? I like. I mean, I liked it well enough. It was fun. I wasn't really paying too close attention to the lyrics because I was just like, oh, yeah, this sounds like teenage emo rock. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is the, uh, oh, what is it? What's the one where I feel like it's a cartoon. It might have been a bit. I don't know, but it's like a, it's a definitely some kind of a joke. And they're, the guitarist is just like ramming on the guitar and he's like, oh, feelings. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yes, that is basically. Sounds like what it might have been like a family. That might have been like a family guy thing at one point. That does sound correct. It does, yeah. And that would also be a huge hit. <laughs> it really would. Oh man, poor uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's got some musical chops. The dude can't yes, sing. He can sing. This just was not his best outing. Oh my gosh. Okay, Anders, what's next? All right. Next up, uh, let's talk about the droids because droids are always a massive pres- presence in Star Wars. Uh, they have mm-hmm. a pretty good presence in these shorts. So there are a couple of droids that we meet in this one. Any similarities to ones we've seen before? Maybe. Well, maybe. Well, starting <laughs> off with Curdy or K344 is the band's guitarist and does seem to be some kind of a protocol droid model. She Mm. looks kind of similar to C-3PO. In fact, in addition to her gold coloring, she also has that one silver leg that is kind of, you don't really notice on 3PO until you get into Mm. like Clone Wars and the animated stuff. We don't get a ton from her uh, Mm. here to get most of her personality. From what I could tell, the background that they gave on the character does say that she was kind of like abandoned and then found her purpose through music, which is a kind of a nice thing for a droid to be able to do to naturally come across that and find purpose on your own. Yeah. And they took her in and they were family. (laughs) (laughs) And then we get the adorable little V5. And he does like the the electronic sound mixing for the band. A little bit more of an astromech style type Mm -hmm. role for this little guy or kind of like Dio from Rise of Skywalker. Very adorable. When he shoots out the little arms, he reminds me of Chopper. Yes. He was so cute. I was like, more screen time, please. Yes. <laughs> I'm always here for more screen time for the kids. Yes. <laughs> and then we get some other cool aliens. Mm-hmm. We were talking about it a little bit in uh, the duel that we didn't really get a ton with, with a lot of alien species. But here we get a hut. Like we said, we get Gee or Geezer. And personally, it is my hand cannon that this is, in fact, a little stinky from Clone Wars Mm -hmm. because his early kidnapping led Jabba to becoming very, very overprotective, Mm -hmm. which when you combine that with the influence that Ahsoka and Anakin had on him, just that brief time with them gave him that little bit of a rebellious streak and he grew and grew and led him to becoming a runaway emo rock band member. (laughs) I believe it. I'm here for it. I totally believe that Jabba would then order his execution. Yeah, Jabba would be like, I've indulged this long enough. No. Yeah. And he says, Jabba, blah, 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 geezer does instead of like, you're not my real dad. <laughs> like, you should call me dad instead of Jabba. And he's like, no. Here for it. Yes, please. Yes. And Jabba would absolutely enlist his potentially best bounty hunter to track down his own son. 
Yeah, of course. Be like, get that kid back here now. Mm-hmm. We're going to threaten him with execution. And if he ground you in the Sarlacc pit. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, then I also just really, I really like the look of Lan. Mm-hmm. Now, Lan's mm-hmm. species is never identified, and I couldn't actually find it on Wikipedia or anywhere. Mm-hmm. But he just looks really cool. And this, I think, is a, is a nice little testament to the fact that animation, particularly something like anime, lets you do things you just can't pull off in any kind of live action. He almost looks like a Deveronian, but with three bodies with three torsos. Yes, that's what I I thought at first. I'm like, ooh, is this like a Deveronian who was experimented on or something? Yeah, uh, maybe he's actually, maybe he's a Deveronian from Exegol. You never know. Oh, God, that could be. We have other Exegol or stuff Camino. to talk about. Oh, God, and Camino. Yeah, I'd be like, I escaped from Camino. And they're like, really? The cloners? Yes. <laughs> Everybody knows about the damn cloners, even though their system is apparently not in the Jedi archives. Mm. Absolutely. That's fine. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay, next we're going to go into our connections, callbacks, and homages. Got a fair few for this episode. Since it's the only one to feature canon characters that everyone would recognize, we get a lot mm-hmm. in this one. We get Boba Fett, voiced by Tamar Morrison. So immediately I was like, hello. <laughs> as well as Jabba and Bib Fortuna. Basically, the Tatooine gang's all here. You can also spot Jabba's bartending droid at one point. And the same guards that Boba Fett was with in Return of the Jedi in his entourage. And of course, the Twilight Dancer is there too. Mm-hmm. <sighs> <laughs> and where are they? They're in the Grand Mon Espa, the Moss Espa Grand Arena. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Uh, this massive arena could fit over 100,000 spectators and was obviously seen in the Phantom Menace Padre sequence. I think when the trailer for Visions came out, this was one of the things that a lot of people instantly recognize. Yes. And it's apparently also good for executions or maybe concerts, maybe both at once. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got all the people there. You might as well either do like a Coliseum thing or a concert thing. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Poor Jay. <laughs> we do love Jay. We do. He's just this poor little guy. He's that classic Star Wars trope of the Padawan who escapes Order 66 and starts a new life. It's like Cal Castus, it's like Kanan. We have mm-hmm. so many Jedi Padawans that escaped Order 66. Grogu. Grogu. Oh, baby. He's hiding by the um, hiding from the Empire, but this is no easy beat. He was really lucky to meet the one, pretty sure, good <laughs> hut in all of Star Wars. There have been some who have been like, you're okay. Like, you're all right. We can hang with you. But Guy is actually a good one, <laughs> which I cannot think of any other good huts that I've ever <laughs> met in Star Wars. Oh my God. I do like that Jay first like goes for his lightsaber. Like he goes for the hilt against Boba Fett, who definitely knows what it is. Boba Fett's like, please don't like now. Do you know the paperwork if you're officially identified as a Jedi? Yeah, Boba has <laughs> no interest, no interest in engaging with the Jedi. I we like we said before later, Jay uses the hilt as a microphone, basically setting aside his Jedi past, which was an interesting choice for a mm-hmm. star wars film which is really cool and this actually this is the one short that really doesn't do too much with the force Mm-mm. uh we don't really see jay use it although he does have pretty good stage presence he's very persuasive in his speaking and pretty 
pretty awesome musical talent. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, this is like the one short in Visions that chooses not to focus on the Force. Mm-hmm. Although the way the way they shot it, I really wonder: does Jay use the Force to levitate himself during that concert, or is that just an anime thing? And then is he attempting to mind trick Jabba? They both have this eye twitching thing going on as they're talking be, to each other. Might be attempting to do it, but you can't do it to a hut. <laughs> yeah huts are immune to mind tricks which is yeah which is what i thought but like Mm -hmm. jay's he's obviously kind of tired he's sweating and again like his one eye is kind of twitching and when java responds he's got the same tick going that is kind of cool that's a good thing to notice i think java's probably like god damn it he's right i could make more money off of him (laughs) if they were famous rock stars so he gets the eye twitch (laughs) like i don't like to put off executions but apparently people like music too (laughs) Either way, really cool not to see the force being used unless Jay is like kind of levitating there a little bit at the end. Yeah. Which is cool. Uh, as they're being chased by Boba Fett too, Jay utters that classic Star Wars line, I've got a bad feeling about this. We will hear this quite often in Vicious. Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, it's not Star Wars unless you say it, you know? Very true. And I'm sure Joseph Gordon-Levitt was like, I get to say it. I get to say <laughs> the line. And then as the band is playing in the arena and all of the tattooing residents are watching on the screen, we do get a shot of a small kind of shack-like home on a cliffside. Is that our Obi-Wan Kenobi? Yes, he is jamming, jamming (laughs) along to this emo tune. He's like, Anakin would have liked this one. All right, now it is time for our power rankings. So last week we started new power rankings. The duel has that number had that number one spot because it was the only one we'd watched so far. So Colleen, right here and now you're making the call. Tatooine Rhapsody, (laughs) does it belong above or below the duel? Below. (laughs) Below. All right. For me, it's below. Yeah. I think I'm also gonna go with below. Mm -hmm. It's so we're both still in sync. Mm-hmm. We'll see what it's, happens. It's coming up against a very strong contender with the duel. I know. It's not very fair. <laughs> but we will see what happens next week. <laughs> we will see what happens next week. All right. So let's move into recommendations. Colleen, start us off. Okay. I've got two anime recommendations for you today. Both will probably make you cry, but for a very different reason. I'll start with Your Lie in April, which is a love story between a pianist and a violinist. The pianist has forgotten his love of music, but playing with the violinist slowly reawakens his love for playing. It's really sweet. It's very cute. And of course, love blossoms between the two. And it's devastating. (laughs) (laughs) Because we can't have nice things. We can't have nice things, especially in Star Wars and in anime. Next, though, this one's a little bit more lighthearted. It's called Given. It's one of the few anime that actually deals with the underlying sexual tension of its teenage characters. And not only that, but the two main characters are both boys. So it's like, oh my God, they're actually showing a gay relationship in anime. It's crazy. There's no gay coding. They're actually dealing with their sexuality and growing bond while they're learning to play guitar. One of them is learning from the other how to play guitar. And they're rehearsing for a Battle of the Bands style contest. In fact, most of the main characters on the show are part of the LGBTQA plus community. Really nice to see in anime. 
it's only 11 episodes long and, and one short movie. So I cannot suggest it enough. If you've got like a weekend, you can get through the show very easily. Both of these animes are beautiful. The animation's really good, really strong. They do a great job with character building. They're more slice of life than I usually watch. I'm a big like fantasy sci-fi like hero's journey person when it comes to watching anime but these two were so enjoyable and yes I cried quite a bit it's fine I, I'm shocked I'm absolutely shocked everyone is surprised <laughs> <laughs> cries at something everything is good yes mm. Anders how about you so I really wanted to focus in on the band touring theme it actually reminds me of one of my favorite movies uh mm-hmm. if you've never seen it or even if you have go back and revisit that thing you do absolutely great movie amazing tom hanks directorial debut and performance Mm -hmm. Liv tyler's Mm -hmm. there really catchy song all in all just really fun and if you want a little bit more of like the rock and roll vibe Mm -hmm. uh i would say go back and revisit detroit rock city rebellious teenagers for the win i haven't seen that in forever i know (laughs) not not since it came out that thing you do i've seen so many times and it never (laughs) gets old ever I could just see, I could just see, um, like Lan or somebody in Detroit Rock City doing the uh, now, Mom, give me my goddamn drumsticks. Yes, <laughs> that would be amazing. I'm here for it. Yep. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you for joining us today. Join us again next time as we continue our visions journey with the twins. Mm. <laughs> You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at YASWpod. Follow us wherever you're getting your podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, wherever. Hit that follow button. And you can check out all the offerings in the Forgotten Entertainment family at ForgottenEntertainment.com. You can also find Colleen and I on the Bohemian Geek Studies podcast, where we are in to the almost to the end of season four of Star Wars Rebels. Yes. Big one, a couple of big ones coming up. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> you can also find Colleen's book reviews on Star Wars literature on bohemiangeekstudies.com. But everyone, have a good night. Yes, thanks everybody. Drumsticks up. (laughs) (laughs) Drumsticks up. Saber microphones that look suspiciously like massagers up. (laughs) (laughs) Just a mic.